Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast, episode number 90. My name is Delton. I will be your host this evening, and with me today, as usual, is my lovely wife and yellow player, Haley. I am lovely. Just tonight. I'll take it. <laughs> I will take it. My eyeliner, my eyeliner, eyeliner looks very good today. There so. you go. You got it. Finally. I got it. Third, third, third tries the charm. I believed in myself, third so I did. Third tries the charm? <laughs> We're both off tonight, apparently. Add both of these to your definition. Defi- <laughs> <laughs> Add both of these to your definition uh, book. Your definition book. No one's listening after this. They're done. They're like, you know what? I'm tired of these buffoons and their bad banter. What? <laughs> Welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast, where we talk about tabletop games, board games, card games, role-playing games, things of that sort, as well as delicious beer. I hope you could hear that can crack in the audio. I think it's because we're recording after a long work day, and normally we record yes. like, oh, Saturday afternoon, I slept in until like 8, and I did nothing but mow the lawn and take naps, and now I'm going to record a podcast. Now we're like, oh... I had to work all day and yeah, I had a forty dinner. hour work day and yeah, you cooked dinner and we walked Margie and we're tired. Tired. Dog tired. Isn't that right, Marge? Margie is curled up here like a little jelly bean. She went on four walks today, nearly went four miles. She is a stocky little puppy right now. It's because she has been a terror. Her and the cats have been a terror the past few days, and we can't tell. If it's all the rain and stuff, the weather that's coming through, because generally when the weather hits, the cats go crazy for a couple days. But Margie has been that way lately and like playing. And one thing we've learned with Margie, we've had her for seven months now. Yes. So we're all still getting to know each other because, you know, it takes dogs a while to truly open up. And she does this weird growl. Like if you put your head on hers, she does not like it and she'll growl at you. But we have learned that the exact same growl tone is what she uses when she's really playful. So we've had a hard time now. Uh, we discussed it tonight that we think that maybe sometimes we're misinterpreting her growl for I'm trying to play or I want to play versus I'm unhappy with how you're hovering over me or something. Yeah, because she'll growl at Penny and then she'll like rub her face on her. And we just can't tell. We don't know. She's impossible to read aside from like, you can tell when she's really playful because her ears perk up and her tail will generally wag. But sometimes if she's laying on the couch, her ears will be up, but she'll growl. And you're like, I don't know if this is bad or good. And then last night, uh, Dalton was in the bed with her and she was bouncing around and growling and her tail was wagging like crazy and she's growling like crazy. I would like slap my hand down. She runs over, ruts her nose under my hand and then growls the whole time while I'm petting her, and it's like, like I'm petting her throat because she's got this really fat jowl under her neck, and it's hilarious. So I pet that all the time, just this like fat part of her neck, and she likes it, I think. I do it a lot, so I hope she likes it. But she was running around doing that, and then she would like nibble on my hands, like not in a bad way, but in a like, I want you to play with me. And it was really weird because she kept growling like she, she was mad. angry. Like, it's so weird. She, you would have thought we had like a really angry, pissed off dog just like traversing around our bed. But no, she was just playing. Her tail was wagging and they had a grand old time. She's so strange. And I wish I could understand her and read her based off a very easy like look. That was the thing with Hershey, my old chihuahua. Rest in peace. Whenever he would get playful, it was super obvious. You could tell because he had those little expressive, like Rottweiler style eyebrows with yeah. the little light brown dots. He had very, very expressive eyebrows. Yeah. So it's just weird. It's a, she's a weird dog. 
And she's also all black, so you can't read. If there are any expressions there, you can't read them. The only way is when she's showing her teeth, you're like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, you can That's tell it. when she's <laughs> snarling because her teeth are shown. Uh, so I poured this beer a second ago. I'll go ahead and talk about it. This is from New Belgium, and I forget where New Belgium is out of. Fort Collins, Colorado, and they have one in Asheville, North Carolina. I did not know that. Oh, nice. That's cool. This is their Captain Dynamite IPA, and this is a, a like seasonal-type beer of their Voodoo Ranger line, which is generally always an IPA. Uh, there is no anything on this can except for 7.7% alcohol by volume with this awesome, weird guy that's like a i don't know what he would he's got like a one of those russian hats with headphones on you know how like iron maiden always has uh, different variations of eddie yeah it's kind of like that yeah, it's kind of like that they have different uh, different variations of the voodoo ranger on all of their different beers that makes sense so it's a very hazy ipa you can't see through it it's a nice color a little bit of a golden color to it looks like orange juice because it has little floaties in it has a very smooth smell Smells like orange juice. Does not smell bitter. It really it smells like not too sweet orange juice, like a yeah. real orange juice. Like pulpy orange juice. The it kind really your does. grandpa bought that you hated as a kid. And I love it now. Yep. Old man. Nice carbonation. Smooth on the front. It kind of foams up in the mid and it finishes. It leaves a little bit behind where my mouth's like watering now. But it's got a clean finish. It's very foamy. Very foamy. It's kind of like you know, whenever you had like those Sherbert push pops, like the old Flintstones ones from yeah. the 90s, that's what it feels like in your mouth. It's kind of like that creamy, tangy, creamy. It's not quite solid, not quite liquid. It's just <laughs> okay. fluffy. I don't think it's that fluffy, it's fluffy, but it is nice and carbonated. It's nice and fluffy. A plus, Voodoo Ranger, A plus. It's just another very good beer. I, I like New Belgium a lot. My first beer from them was Flat Tire. Flat Tire. Fat Tire. Fat Tire. I always do that because the place here in Edmond that's a restaurant called Flat Tire. But yes, that's the beer of the episode. Lately, we haven't been doing too crazy of things. I've been watching YouTube videos learning how to watercolor. She really has, and she's doing a good job, I Thanks. think. I'm trying. Some of them look better than others. I need to get some better brushes, but I'm just using uh, mostly stuff that Delton had left over from his four months as a graphic design student and then a $10 palette that I bought from two semesters two semesters I'm sorry I apologize that was a whole year of my college degree wasted (laughs) except I I made friends with Brian you made friends with Brian and I got cool art supplies out of it that's true win-win I guess so and so we've been doing I've been doing watercolor just watch my watercolor videos doing tutorials that I found some tutorials that make me not feel like a dumbass when I do them because like at first I tried to do oil pastel and that turned out terrible and then i tried to do uh what's it called oil paint that turned out terrible and i was like okay i gotta find something that i can at least not be great at but be good enough at that i'm not immediately discouraged and my self-care turns into oh dread what is this gonna turn out as and i tried watercolor and i thought it turned out pretty good it's not professional but you can tell it's an orange you can tell it's a flower we're getting somewhere you can tell that you're having a fun time. That's really what matters, That's right? That's the main thing. You don't have to be good at something to have fun with it, but it kind of helps. <laughs> <laughs> at least a little bit. At least a little bit in motivation to keep doing it. Aside from that, I planted my onions. My onions are sprouting. My garlic is sprouting, so only about four more months until that's ready to harvest. I went ahead and tried some seeds to see if we can get some summer vegetables growing. 
But then we had a cold snap here in Oklahoma because it's always a gamble. They said, oh, we won't get any more cold snaps. Lies and propaganda. It was only about, I don't know, 35 degrees last night. And so we're going to see if they actually grow. We'll have to, might have to plant those again. But what have you been up to, Delty Poo? I have not been up to too much aside from work. But the one thing I've been doing a lot, and I talked about this last episode so much, I've been watching a butt ton of movies. A cubic butt ton. Literally, because I want to say in March, I watched like 28 or 29 movies. And this month in April, if you include my double watch of The Quiet Family with you, then I think I've watched, uh, let me see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 movies on the 15th days when we're recording this. That's pretty good. And you haven't so, watched any this week either. I haven't. I've been, normally that- it's like a couple, it's when I work from home and I have the ability to pause, do my work unpause until an email comes in pause do my work and then play till an email comes in that means you watched 13 movies in seven days basically (laughs) basically so uh but i wanted to uh bring up one i absolutely loved called deathgasm and i god i think it's on hulu uh let me look here i'm using the letterboxd app which i highly recommend uh i guess it's on amazon it's probably one with my shutter subscription Essentially, if you enjoy heavy metal music and you enjoy the horror comedy that is Tuck, uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil, along with a good, healthy handful of Evil Dead, uh, especially like, I'm going to say Evil Dead 2 style, just, I don't know, self-awareness in a way, it's very, very funny. It's got all the metal puns you could hope for. I mean, they 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 have the amp that goes up to 11 they just it's ridiculous it's over the top but i absolutely adored it i just thought it was super funny and my one of my favorite things is at one point some guy comes in to save the moment and he's got face paint on like black metal style face paint and they're like wait you painted your face like what did that take like 15 minutes and like <laughs> they point out the fact that that's a thing and i love that sort of we know what the weird like the awkward or like goofy part is and they even have a reference at one point to an an old horror movie that I cannot remember the name of where a guy has a guitar that has a drill on the end of it and that's what he kills people with. Oh god. Th- they've got a reference to that. Awesome movie, super fun, but I've been enjoying watching a lot of movies. That sounds like a good one. That sounds like one I'd like to watch too. It it is gory, which I know is not your thing. Uh there are there is a fight scene that involves sex toys as weapons, Ooh, which that's was pleasantly hilarious. Fun I thought for the whole family. it was fun for the whole family. Definitely a goofy. It's a New Zealand movie ah. made by New Zealanders. Very low budget, uh, but very fun. And there's a meme that's made out of it, too, of the, the main guy and his love interest sitting on the on a park bench. Yep. That's been made into a meme multiple times. Yes. And that's that's what it's from. Oh, it's so good. And then what else did you do today, Delty Poo? Uh, We have been watching with our good friend Allison, which will lead me to segue into thanking our Patreon patrons. I always call them Patreon backers, which is Allison, Alan, Jesse, Catherine, Cliff, and Jennifer. Thank you all so much for supporting us on Patreon. You help us upgrade equipment and keep this podcast rolling. So thank you so much. If you would like to be like them, make sure to head over to patreon.com slash Malthouse Games, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S Games. We bring that up because Allison has been coming over every other week and we've been watching the Korean, what would you call it? Like a K-drama. K-drama. Korean drama. Boys Over Flowers. It's essentially if you took the feel of a, um, what are they called? Stories. 
I young, have no and the, idea. young and the Restless. What's that called? That style? Oh, like a soap opera. Okay, if you took a soap opera and removed the live crowd, live acting, and recorded it, that's what this feels like. Yes. Every scene has that bad acting. The the people blowing out their microphones, which drives me nuts. But it it's is very 2010. Oh, it's hilarious. It is the most 2010. Like Delton and I graduated in 2010. Like all the yeah. styles, all the hair. Like it came out that year too. But you're watching it, and you're like, I know this is in Korea, but God, like the dresses that were strapless with the uh, elastic in the back to keep them up. Yeah. Using the hangers, little plastic uh, hanger holders as straps on your dress to keep it up. Yep. God, it was glorious. And of course, the hair. Everyone looks like Ollie Sykes. It's wild. It's ridiculous. But it's super cheesy. It's super funny. And it's just, it's one of those shows you have to go in ready to laugh at the show. And with the show. And with the show. But like, we just have fun poking fun at all this ridiculous stuff. Like when all people are people are showing a picture that they took of two people together on like a really old crappy touchscreen cell phone. And then when you look at the photo, you're like, you had to be five feet away from these people. How did they not see you and say something? Like basically it's, it's a plot holes. It's like, so ridiculous. Which, you know, like I remember American TV shows, like teen shows having those plot holes too. Yeah. It's just fun to go back and look at those movies, whether it's no this one or like American TV shows. Cause Alice and I have watched like some babysitters club type stuff. Yeah. I, th- I think she was one. Yeah. She showed me like a, it was like the old Babysitter's Club series. And we were talking a while back about just how ridiculous the plot lines were. Like, whenever you're a kid, it's like, oh my God, the drama. But then you watch it as an adult and you're like, that don't work that way. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it's pretty funny. It's Boys Over Flowers. It's on Netflix. If you want to just have a good time laughing at a mixture of blown out microphones, some bad acting, goofy storylines, but at the same time... Nostalgia for 2010. But at the same time, you're just enjoying the experience of kind of chuckling away at this cheesy Korean drama. It's it's worth it. It's worth it. With all that being said, I feel like we've gone longer than normal on banter, but I feel like we had a lot to say about a few things. A lot to say and for not having done really anything over the last (laughs) two weeks. That's very true. (laughs) But yes, with that being said, let's move to the game. Oh, here's the door. It's straight ahead. It's it's a game. So the game for this episode is one that I pre-ordered the minute I heard it was coming out simply because how much I have enjoyed the designer and I liked the look of it. This is Maracaibo, which is published through Capstone Games. Uh, the author is Alexander Fister. He's one that I have quoted as potentially my favorite designer now with Isle of Sky, Great Western Trail, Broom Service, now this game, Oh My Goods. Everything I've played from him, I've come out going, I really like this. And he's just, something about his design style hits right for me. I just want to point out too, like, I can tell, these are games that really click with you. Um, One, because you like them and you enjoy them and you seek them out. Yeah. But also, you typically win the first round with um with Fister Games. Yeah, it's. I think that it is something about his design aspects and the way he approaches it just works for me and my brain a little bit. And maybe that's why I like him so much is it flows in my head. I can make sense of it. Uh, so he's the designer. Editing is Ralph Binet. Uh, I'm sorry, Binert. Uh, rules is Marcus Mueller. Layout is Fiora GmbH. I found something out today. Capital G, low, uh, lowercase m, lowercase b, capital H is a German something, kind of like ink oh. or, or LLC. 
but I didn't look into it, but I spotted it today. Huh. Something to do with either work or just random internet things. Huh. And I was like, that has to be what that stands for. It's some sort of like corporation. I don't know, but I'm going to have to look into it at some point. I, I love how I bring it up and then I'm moving right on. Illustrations by Align Kierman and Fiora GmbH. And then English translation is Patrick Corner. It does have a thanks to Travis D. Hill, who is down in Texas. We follow him Hi. on Twitter. He does a lot of rules editing, and I've never met him, but he seems to be a very cool guy. And then uh, something we talked about our last episode, episode 89 of Riverboat, is basically when a game has a theme that is troublesome, or they use a theme that has troublesome aspects, but they either ignore or mention, but they don't use them in the game. Like, like dark history or historical yes. things that should not be taken lightly. Yes. If you want to hear a lot, of, a lot of talk about that kind of stuff, episode 89 about Riverboat, we get into some of that. Uh, but Maracaibo is based in the 17th century in the Caribbean. You are essentially like a pirate or you have a boat of adventurers. It says seafarers and adventurers. Essentially, you are utilizing and fighting for the Spanish, the French, and the English, depending on who you want to side with each combat. Um, so essentially, this is a game about colonialism and, you know, the people coming over and quote-unquote settling in the Caribbean and things like that. Uh, at the end of the rulebook, though, I wanted to point out I did not see this because it's by the credits. It's very, you know, uh, it doesn't stand out, but I did find it and I wanted to read it. We would like to remind all players here that the power consolidating efforts and greed of the European powers resulted in terrible costs to the people of the Caribbean during the period that this game is set in. Unfortunately, mistreating indigenous peoples, the slave trade, and other horrors were the order of the day. In this game, we are entering this world in an abstract, in quotations, way, using only certain aspects of history and therefore end up with a romanticized and narrow view. Everyone should remember that life for most people was anything but glorious back then. Rather, it was often rife with oppression and inequality. I enjoy, we talked about last time, enjoy seeing that in the rulebook. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Yes, but it's kind of hard to find unless you're looking, but I wanted to bring that up. And then I figured we wouldn't linger too long since we talked so much in episode 89. So if you want to hear more about our thoughts on that kind of stuff, again, episode 89 about Riverboat, we talk more in depth on that sort of thing. So, to the game itself, it is set in 17th century in the Caribbean, and you are running ships. The game is supposed to be a spiritual successor of Great Western Trail, which we have not covered yet because one play is not enough of that game. Here's mad because that's the first Alexander Fister game I actually won. You did. You obliterated me in that game. It's because I raised cattle. I guess so. My grandparents did. <laughs> but essentially, in this game, you have your own ship board where you have upgrades you can make to your ship. By removing these little tokens, and they can either give you points, they can make your actions better, they can give you more options for actions, and things like that. The board is a circular sort of path with a couple forks in the road that converge afterwards, so you can make a left or a right, but in the end, both those paths end up on the same path yet again. You are going to be traveling around, going to different villages and cities around the Caribbean, and performing actions in those cities. The actions are going to basically come from uh, hiring, installing, equipping, whatever, however you want to look at it, different cards, whether it's a person, some sort of boat, uh, you're hiring a chef, or you're putting a castle under your control, something like that. You're going to be putting these cards down. They are going to modify all sorts of things in the game. Uh, and you'll go around the board and around and around until there's a winner. 
I don't want to get too super, super in-depth with the rules because as much as this game did click and after reading the rules, I was like, this really isn't that bad. Uh, there is a lot to it. And I feel like not necessarily, I don't want to say in nuance or that it's nuanced in the rules. It's just that there's multiple little different things you could get into. One thing I really enjoyed about this game is being a colonialism theme when it comes to combat and you are, you know, I mean, given, I believe that if you're like fighting for the French, it's against the other uh, European powers. You're basically a sellsword. Essentially, yes. Uh, but I do enjoy that the combat in this game is super simple. It's just strictly action-based and it's very abstracted. So even though it's called like combat, it's essentially, here's this many points. If you are helping the, you know, the one of the powers that has the least influence on the board, you get more military points. And here's the actions you take, which just help you get points for the end of the game. So I like how simple the combat came out to be. Uh, and it gave you interesting decisions and multipliers for your end of the game score. Aside from the combat, uh, this game also has a point and money track that the end of all four rounds of the game, it only goes through four rounds. Those rounds just basically take a little bit. Uh, all four rounds of the game at the end, you're going to get a set income of money and an income of points. And I like that you can increase those to the cards you purchase to where at the end of each round, you're just getting a butt ton of money or a butt ton of points. So that's kind of a neat way to like kind of play more for a long game, which I find to be interesting. You kind of have to like, I don't know, beat the clock in a way because you have to monitor the other person because you can take mm -hmm. anywhere from one movement to seven movements. And so whoever ends, whoever reaches the end of the round, like the end of the movements for the round, the round is over. Like Delton could be at... Uh, 22, the last one, I could be at 14, he reaches 23, and it's over, even though I'm way far behind. Exactly. On your turn, you'll move your ship between one and seven spaces. Depending on how far you move and where you land depends on how many actions you get. So if you land on a city, there's a city action. But if you land on a village, if you moved between, like, I think it was the base rule is between one and three movements, you get a single action between four and I think four and five or four and six, you get two. And then like if you move seven actions or something, then you get three actions if you land on the village. So the further you move at a single time, the more actions you get to do consecutively on your turn. However, like Haley said, this circular pattern of the board, when you get to the end, the first person to get to the end, and you can never sit still, you have to move on your turn. You have to stop at the last space, then it jumps you one more space, and when you land into that, you finish your turn and the round's over. Everybody does a scoring and then you start again at the beginning and go back around the circle. Everybody starts at the beginning again. So this game is a timer. You could, if you were just not having fun in this game or you thought, I need to end it now, you could definitely move one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, and you probably would make a single round four turns. Right. So it could go very quickly. And I did like that. I liked that the player's to an extent, timed the game, pushed the game, slowed the game down. It's up, uh, it's up to the players to, to figure out how they want to play it, how they want to approach it, yeah. which is nice. It's also the same thing with you know, how you win. So Delton and I took very different strategies. Uh, I, I really rushed the explorer, and he really did a lot of combat. Like we both, I, I did some combat, he did some exploring, but those are the routes that we took. And we were only, what, five points apart? I think it was 12 in the end. 12? It was like... But not like 12 points is in like 20 versus 8. Like 
197 versus 185 or something like that. Hang on, and I will tell you exactly <laughs> what the score was because it's the last play we did. Uh, it was your 190 to my 202. So yeah, like even though that's those a points, small spread, that's a small spread, and so it was neck and neck. We both did very different strategies, which I appreciate. I really like that games allow that. Yes, as Haley said, there's an explorer element to this where there's a little track at the bottom. Everyone has one explorer on it, and that explorer basically moves down a track. If you get like, let's say you're gonna get you do something and it gives you three explorer movement, you can move one, two, or three, and depending on where you land, all of them have a benefit. There's quests you can complete for the Explorer as well as your boat, but the Explorer is just going to give you points and money, and if you get the first one to the end, is going to get like 10 points, and the last few spaces are very valuable. So Haley did a lot there. What I went for <clears throat> is every time you do combat, you gain influence with one of the three powers. Again, that's France, England, and Spain. And your influence with that power moves up, and there's a certain multiplier where like, if you have placed enough influence cubes of that power on the board and you have a high enough influence with them on the little influence track there's a multiplier so i had was it six times mm -hmm. like 14 yeah or was, something like it i was a lot i had i had like a good 50 points just from that at the end of the game just bam there it was and he almost forgot to do his last scoring card and if i would have kept my mouth shut i would have won <laughs> yeah she would have beat me by two points but then there was one card that I had forgot to score. And she and was, I was like, nice. Yeah, she said, hey, don't forget that card. And I was like, oh, my God, yes, I'm going to win. Because I was kind of sad she was going to win it. But I was happy it was so close. And even with 12-point lead, it's super close at oh. this range. Oh, yeah, definitely. But I really like it. One of the coolest things in the game that I felt we underutilized severely until the end was the assistance. Mm -hmm. So certain cards that you buy in this game uh, to put in your like ship or in your tableau, whatever, Certain cards that you get, put an assistant out on one of the boat spaces. So the boat spaces run from 1 to 23, but I believe it's 20 where you have to stop, or maybe 21. No, 20 you stop, then there's 21A, and then the last round you go 21B and then 22, and I think that's the last space, something like that. But it puts an assistant on, like, let's say 12, puts it on spot 12. Now, when you go to spot 12, you can use that assistant action, which is listed on the card you purchased. And those, I did not expect those to be so strong because sometimes you're like, ah, I can, ju I can do a village action. I'm going to buy this card. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a coin. Cool. That's my action. Great. But then you have an assistant and you're like, I'm going to take an action. All right. I'm going to raise my influence with this person. And then I'm going to take two coins and then I'm also going to be able to buy a card. And you're like, oh, that was a lot. Uh, and it's just, it's really interesting. This game has a lot of things like that. But those assistants reminded me of Great Western Trail when you have your location and that you get an extra benefit for going on. So I really liked those and I wish I would have realized how strong they were early on. Same here. Yeah, because once we like crack those and like this, I think it was like the third and fourth round we actually started putting them out. We're like, oh my God, yes. And it also slows yeah. down the game too. Because you, yeah. you're kind of incentivized to stop more often. If you do pass them, it does give you points for not utilizing them, which I like. But yes, it does incentivize you to slow down a little bit, make more stops. That way, the first round's probably super fast when you play with people that have played the game. And then the last round's going to be super slow because everyone's doing all this extra stuff, which I think is pretty neat. Question. Answer. Is it Caribbean or Caribbean? I say Caribbean. 
because I'm pretty sure Caribbean is not right, but it might be. I think it just depends on where you're from. Pre-Pirates of the Caribbean, I was Caribbean. Yeah. And now I find myself saying Caribbean. It's because of Pirates of the Caribbean, because everybody said it that way. Totally is. Yeah, but I've tried to change my language to be Caribbean. That's just a personal thing. Internet correct us. You're good at that. Internet correct us. But yes, uh, that I think that's a pretty good little chat on Maracaibo. I really enjoyed the game. Uh, it does have a legacy aspect where you can play through a story, makes changes to the board, adds new locations here and there, and you can play it over a course of I don't know how long and play through this little story. We did not start that. We just did the base game, and we did it on easy. I'm going to point that out. On easy. There's like three different easy, medium, hard, oh, I think. We need to play this again. We, I 100% agree. I really enjoyed the game. Uh, it's not too hard to learn. It's not too difficult to play. There was one question I had about a card, and it was a translation issue where it says, it was something like on, on your last village action, which yes. makes it sound like the last of maybe on, the round. It was on a final village action. On a, on, I think it was on, on your final is how it translated, it was wasn't on, it? On a because then we were like, is it A or the? And I said, well, if it's the, it's the final one of the game. If it's A, it's the final one of the oh, round. Does it, does it say on the fi- on the last or the final? On A final. I think it's, didn't the card say on V, though, and we looked no. it up and it should have been on A? No, it's on A, and then it is supposed oh. to be, yeah. Basically, it's supposed to be, if you're doing three actions in one turn, the last one is supposed to be that action. Yeah. And we looked it up. It's on BoardGameGeek. It's basically what you expect it to be, which is fine. But yes, I really enjoyed Maracaibo. I liked it a lot. You know, any theme like this can definitely be off-putting, but if that's something that, you know, you address and you understand and you, you know, kind of talk about and still play the games like we do, even though you have to understand and find your own line, I really like the game a lot. Same here. I I think it's a great game, so I say check out Maracaibo from Capstone Games, Alexander Pfister, another good one in my book. On the Caribbean. I'm just really excited we got to play a long game this week. Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. We did get to play a long game this week, but before we talk about this topic, let's crack into the second beer. I'm going to go ahead and pour it first. Don't spill on me. Don't spill on me. Okay, good. Woo! I forgot to... Didn't stain your pants. It didn't do anything to my pants. Thank goodness. We did not have to take time to put in the elevator music. I'm excited to try this. This is from Mother's Brewery. Our friend Cody gave this to us. He recently went to Missouri. We went to brother or Mother's Brewery once. We went to Branson. Do you remember that? We did. We took our own vehicle, I believe. And took Jin Win Ling. We took Jin Win because Haley's parents, when they go on a trip, it is point A to point B as fast as humanly possible, no stops. And it's to Branson. Every time. And it's to Branson every time, but it's a five-hour drive. And we were like, no, 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 no. We want to stop 40 minutes out in Springfield and check out a couple of the local breweries, get some beers. This was like five years ago. It was before we were married. It was before we were married. So what were we married this year? Six years? It was 2014 because it was my last spring break as an undergrad, the last spring break I had as a spring break. That was the year we got engaged that fall, moved into the house. Yes. There you go. So yes, we got to go to Mother's. We got to go to... Uh, Springfield Brew Company. I have glasses from both. And Schlafly. And for, uh, no, Schlafly is in St. Louis. Ah. We went to the Schlafly little eatery right there downtown on There's the way to Indianapolis. Too many Missouris. There's too much Missouri. 
Uh, so yes, from Mother's Brewing Company at Springfield, Missouri, this is The Great Cobra Scare of 53. It is a hazy Ozarks sour wheat ale with a alcohol percentage of 4.8%. I am really excited for this. Cody said it is a very good beer. This says crisp wheat beer drinkability with big citrus hop aroma and a satisfying tart finish. Flip your can to enjoy hazy. So I had the can upside down to make sure all the sediment gets ah. mixed in. And you can tell it's starting to fall out of the glass yeah. to the bottom. The can looks like a collage you do with 90s magazines. It looks kind of neat. I like it. Okay, so it's very hazy, but not as hazy as the last one. It's a little more clear. I can see my fingers through Yeah, you can it. see your fingers through this Look, one. Look, I can see a Delton through it just it's a al- little bit. It's almost lemonade. It is almost lemonade, but that's not lemonade. Ooh, that smells delightful. Oh, wow. It's almost like an orange tart. It's very bright. Yeah. Mm. Very, very bright. This is definitely a summer beer. It's like a lemon head. It kind of is like a lemon head. Yeah, it's a good one. Ooh, it's crisp. It's clean. That's a lemon head. And it's got a little tart finish. I don't see lemon head in the taste. It's, it's like the lemon head without the sweet. You're a lemon head. You're a lemon head. I'd say your mom's a lemon head, but she's a nice lady. That's true. And I get her if we get divorced. This is, that's also true. This is very, very clean. Like, it's smooth. In a, it's crisp. It's like, mm. I don't know what this is, but. It's tart like a lemon, like it's a lemon head without the sweet, man. Like those, not, not like the good lemon heads we have nowadays, like the 90s lemon heads that are like really chalky and powdery whenever you bit into them. Nobody bites into a lemon head. Those are supposed to be hard candy, aren't they? Well, I did. I haven't had a lemon head in, since I was in fourth grade, probably. Well, let's, let's Uber eat some lemon heads in. No. Let's make a comparison. This is this nice. Be a case study. It has a bit of tartness on the, on the end, very crisp up front, and it's just a nice, solid drink in the middle. Yeah. I don't, there, it's got a, it's the consistency of a really nice soda. Yeah. It doesn't have like a beer aftertaste, no alcohol it, aftertaste. It tastes like pop. It tastes like you've just taken a nice drink of pop with like, not the carbonation of Coke though. Yes. Because a can of Coke is like way over carbed all the time. It's like a nice drink of like a Sprite consistent. No, that's no, almost too carbed. Like a knee high. And nobody has had that. Nobody knows what that is. <laughs> it's like a Sam's <laughs> Cola. No, it's not. Okay. If you've had a knee high. Let us know, internet. No one knows what that is. Peach knee high. Got that from the church basement. It was it's, delicious. It's probably like drinking a grape soda, but not quite as carved as that. Exactly. But it's good. It's a very good with a little tart. I like that beer a lot. This is a good summer beer. What's the ABV? I think it was four point something. Noise. I read it. I don't remember. I don't want to pick the can back up. Has a snake <laughs> on it. But yes, now that we've opened this beer and got into that, let's move to the topic here, which is uh, discussing gaming burnout. Now, I I really wanted to call it your gaming libido, but Delton nixed that. I nixed it and said we don't need such a clickbait title. Gaming burnout is good enough. What is your gaming libido? It's how it's how much you want to play games. What's your desire to play games? I mean that's true, but there's also a burnout of it. I don't know that. I mean I guess you could have a lot a loss of libido for games. Yes. Anyway, uh, I'm calling it gaming burnout, and I'm the <laughs> one posting this on the internet. So here we are. Uh, but it's something I wanted to talk about. I know I've discussed, I've mentioned this a time or two here and there and talked about how others have mirrored uh, the same thoughts online on Twitter. I've seen different stuff. But essentially, I've had a very, very bad gaming burnout during uh, the, the the pandemic. It's been really, really bad. Where like we have not played, if we don't play the game for the podcast, it's likely we haven't played it at all. Like, we've pretty much only played games for the podcast. There's been very few uh, tabletop games between that. 
and Haley's been dying to play more games, and I'm trying to get myself to push through, which is why when the podcast comes, because every time I play, I have fun. Right. I do. I enjoy the experience, but uh, I, I have just found that there's been something happen ever since this stuff went down that's I just don't I don't have that drive to constantly be like, hey, let's play a game tonight. Hey, let's play a couple games this weekend. Hey, let's play a game over here. It's just kind of gone away, and I think, I mean, it could be a culmination of a bunch of stuff, but it, you know, it kind of stinks. Yeah, it's hard. Like it's, well, I know one is hard for me because like I I want to play games. I'm also a lot more more active, like wanting to do things, engage in things, and I don't really like to watch movies as much. So it's it's hard for me because like I I enjoy playing games, and you got me freaking addicted, and now you just left me high and dry. I'm, yeah, sounds I'm, right. I'm kidding. But but really, it's hard, too, though, because, I mean, when you have a long-term stressor, such as the pandemic, I mean, that's a looming stress that hasn't gone away. And so that can definitely decrease your motivation. It can decrease your drive. It can decrease your happiness sometimes. And so it makes sense why, during a goddamn global pandemic, we really don't have the motivation to play games, if that's the case. Like, it makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. And it's completely valid. It just... It kind of sucks whenever you have like a, a mixed board game libido. It really does because like with the past, uh, let me see, one, two, three, I guess you could call that four, uh, maybe five, five within the past 12 games for the podcast have been Shelf of Shame. And I think, I mean, some of it probably comes from, I want these games off the shelf of shame. I want to get these played. I want to have these experiences. I want to play these games. I want to talk about them on the podcast. And that probably also adds stressors to it too. Because, you know, we've talked about in the past, I don't remember what episode, but we've talked about uh, episode 75, games being intimidating. Sometimes it's just hard to get them out when you know this is going to take hours. Like when we played Lisboa, which I don't remember. Is that the game we played on that episode? No. It should have been. Uh, God, it should have been. Wait, uh, I th- actually, I think it might have been because I don't see Lisboa in the list and I only see 77. But, you know, that's a point. Lisboa might be further back. Nope, 75. Zulkin. It was our episode about Zulkin, the Mayan calendar. Uh, but it is. It's sometimes intimidating to get these big games out. And not only a game being intimidating, it's been on the shelf of shame. A lot of these have for a long time now. I mean, this one came out in 2019. That's two years ago. And you pre-ordered it. And too. I pre-ordered it early that year. And so there's all these aspects. And then the pandemic happens, and I'm just not in the mood to play board games. I'm playing video games. I'm watching movies. I'm talking with friends online. I'm just sitting playing on my phone trying to relax after work. And so it, everything culminates together into this giant ball of just, I don't want to. I just can't bring myself to find the want to play a lot of games. Now, given we've played online with friends. Yeah. And that's been better. So I, I don't know... Because you're stuck with me all the time. That that might be it. (laughs) I think part of it is playing with friends, being with friends, doing stuff with friends. And, you know, I've with Tuesday night games with Alan, getting on sometimes on Friday nights or on Mondays or, you know, watching a stream on Tuesdays or watching some friend stream, play games online with Brian, playing Magic. That stuff has definitely pushed itself into be more of something I'm doing. But I feel like burnout right now is just a big thing where it's like I'm just not in the mood to sit down and play all these games. Let's just go watch a movie, you know? It's like, like I said, like it's the stress of the pandemic. It's the shelf of shame. You know, we, we say self, 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 shelf, dang it, shelf of shame. 
like jokingly, but I mean, the longer that you're putting off big things like that, the more your anxiety gets. Like yeah. if you buy a big game, like, oh, I'm going to learn this one day. And the longer you go without learning it, the more typically your anxiety gets about it. And so instead of your anxiety being a three, whenever you purchase it, now it's a level 10. Because yep. you're like, oh, that that thing looks so big. That's what she said. It's going to be so hard to learn this. And so it, it makes complete sense if you're feeling burnt out right now. Yeah. So maybe we should talk about like, uh, one, what you do to engage yourself in games and me, what I do to curb my libido. Definitely, because, I mean, obviously I don't want to just ramble about how I feel. We have to actually have some more, <laughs> some more relatability here for the listeners. Yes, you listeners talking to you at you. I guess it's I'm talking at them because they're not responding. We can leave pauses like Dora the Explorer. You don't like me anymore. It's like, point to the map where I need to go. It's like, are you sure? <laughs> I saw something today about that online, but it's funny. But I think something that I use to get past it is, I mean, one of them, honestly, the biggest thing is the podcast. Because the podcast really incentivizes me to, like, you have to sit and play a game. Because every time I do, I have fun. I enjoy it. And I'm like, oh, man. This was a good game. I want to play I want to play a game again. It just happens to die back out shortly after, you know, especially we do a game every 2 weeks because the podcast is only every 2 weeks. But I think for me part of it is playing for the podcast and part of it is sometimes if it's like a Saturday, we slept in a little bit, did some stuff, it's 2 o'clock after lunch, you're taking a nap on the couch with the dog and the cats. I've got nothing going on. If I nap, I'm going to be asleep till 5. So I'm like, well, I should, you know, I, I, let's just set up a game. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to do anything. It's hot outside or the sun's out. I don't want to get sunburnt going outside. So I'll get a game, set it up, and start learning. And honestly, one thing I found for me that pushes me further, if I open a board game up, take the rule book out, shut the game, and try to read the rule book to learn it, I can probably read it and get through it and be, have a good grasp. But if I have the game set up ready to play and I'm reading the rule book, I am so much more incentivized to be like, oh, hey, let's play because it's right here. I can visually see it and it like it gets me ready for it. So I feel like having that visual and tangible item in front of me is a real good incentive. Sometimes that takes a while. Games like Lisboa was like a 40 minute setup for the first play because I'd never done it before. But once it was set up and I had read the rules, I was ready to go, you know, and I was like, here we go. And maybe that's part of it is that some of these big games are daunting because the setup's long, the learn is long, the game is long, but when it's in front of me, I'm good. So I don't know if that's part of it for me, mm-hmm. but that's kind of how I push past it is I just, it has to be the right time. And if I have a, even the tiniest inkling, I have to just dive in. Right. And to me, that's been the best way to go about it. That makes sense. And I've noticed that too. Like yeah. once you set up the game, you're like ready to play. Like the other night you had set up the game and we were going to play. And like, I think I suggested like, let's take March for a walk. You're like, no. We got play. Like, you were ready to go, ready to get started. I wanted to play, and we played, and then we had to stop the game, like, three-fourths of the way through to take Margie for a walk, because she was getting antsy, and it was getting dark. Yep. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that's good. It's good to keep in mind, like, having things to, you know, hold you accountable and playing is helpful, and then reminding yourself once you get started, but also giving yourself grace. You don't have to perform at maximum capacity when you're in the middle of a goddamn global pandemic. Are you telling me the podcast is not maximum capacity? Are we just half-assing this every two weeks? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're full. It's full-assing the podcast. Oh, half, maybe quarter-assing the gameplay, but that's okay because you don't have to be at full-ass capacity, full capacity. Hey, there you hey, go. Hey, there we go. Yeah. You don't have to be at full capacity during a goddamn global pandemic. So, so how is it that you kind of feed your 
gaming itch because you're the one that the further we've gotten to the pandemic, the more you've wanted to play games, I feel like. I have to learn something new. I think that's why I've gotten into um, brushing up on German, relearning Spanish, learning watercolor. Because like for gaming, for me, it's like mental stimulation. I'm like a, yeah. I'm like a, despite all my rage, I'm still like a rat in a cage. I was like, going to say I'm, a lunatic, but okay. <laughs> I have to have my toys. I have to have something for mental stimulation. And so I think that's why I've dove back into you know some of those old things I used to learn or learning new things because I, I, I like that. I like that problem solving, figuring something out. And so that's what I've done. And so I like, anytime Delton's like, you want to play a game? I'm like, yes, immediately. It's like three in the morning. I don't care. Caffeine. You're never awake at three in the morning. That's a lie. I, I would You're be You're lying for to games. our audience. I would be for games. You haven't asked me over the pandemic. I'm desperate for games. But I also, I have to you know, be understanding and give grace because the way I've coped with the pandemic is different than Delton's coped with the pandemic. And that's okay. We're different people. We have different ways of coping. We have different energy levels, turns out. And so that's for sure. You know, I, I jump on every opportunity that he presents when it comes to playing games, but also have to realize that he's not always going to want to play when I want to. And so I have to kind of entertain myself. And so I've learned a lot. And so I'm just grateful for whatever we do get to play. That's true. And hopefully coming up, you know, as as everything feels like it's getting better now. Slowly but surely. Slowly but surely. Vaccinated and motivated. It feels like things are getting better, and I feel like that it's going to start opening up uh, out my want for playing games again and whatnot. So we'll just have to sit back and see, I guess. But, I mean, at least we get to play a game every two weeks, and if we play, you know, if we do it at the right time, we can always add some extra games after or before. Absolutely. So there you go. Now let's move into the question to wrap this up. And now, join us. For a Malthouse Games podcast special, bite-sized question. The question for this episode is: What is the first thing that you want to do? Like, I'm going to phrase this in a weird way, in a hypothetical. If the pandemic ended on a set date, what's the first thing you would do on the next day? I would buy the weekend pass to the Outlaw Festival in Pryor, Oklahoma. Go camp out in the back of my sister's truck listen to country music, drink cheap beer with strangers, and then camp. It would be amazing. That's what, so Riley and I had tickets to the Outlaw Festival last year. It was the inaugural one. It was Willie Nelson and Hank Williams Jr. who was headlining. And then we kept waiting. Oh, though, no, no, no. It's going to, it's going to, it's, oh, 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 canceled. Damn it. And so this year it's supposed to take place in September, but we haven't bought tickets yet because we're still a little apprehensive. But that's the first thing I would do is buy those tickets, plan to have a good time with my sister, and get all honked to the tonk because Delton does not want to get honked to the tonk. So I'll take my sister. Yeah, I have zero want at all to be part of that. No honk to the tonk. Not at all. Delty, what would you do? You know, to be honest, it's hard to say because how much I enjoy staying at home and <laughs> playing video games, watching movies board games, my drum set, animals, it's all good. But, I mean, really, I think the biggest thing it comes down to is just, like, conventions, friends. Like, that's that's the big thing for me. I mean, yes, there's there's concerts that I'm like, oh, that'd be cool. And, like, you know, I think what if it wasn't something like a convention or seeing friends, I think just going to, like, an arcade and goofing around, playing the claw machines, being bad at whack-a-mole, because I'm bad at whack-a-mole, and playing games that, 
I'm never going to win, stuff like that. That just sounds like a fun afternoon with some drinks. Absolutely. So maybe that should be the answer is just go go to the arcade, get a beer. We go out to showbiz. We'll do that and watch a movie at the same time. Absolutely. That would be fun. I think, I think that's my, my good answer. I'd be down with that. I would join you on that. Yeah, one of these days soon, hopefully. We'll see what happens in the wide, wide world of crazy. <laughs> that's how I'm going to put it. Wide, wide world of crazy. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I guess that wraps everything up. I think so. For the most part. I always feel like I'm just hanging on. It's the, uh, the end of the podcast is always the Oklahoma goodbye. It is. Oh, my God, it is. Every time. So we, I joke about this all the time. If we play games online with anybody that's not from the Midwest, they're able to be like, hey, that was really fun. We'll see you guys later. And then just hang up on the call. And we're just like, uh, uh. And for us, it's weird because we have the, the, the for being from Oklahoma, it's like, hey, we had a really good time. Yeah, it was really fun. That game was awesome. You know, I, I liked this and that. Yeah, it's really cool. Well, hopefully we'll get to play with you guys again soon. Yeah, coming up sometime soon. We'll probably be able to get together. 20 minutes later, you're still trying to get out the door. And you're talking about your parents. You're talking about it, your siblings. It just happens. And the problem is, is it feels so familiar and comfortable. And it's also a mixture of like awkward leaving. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma Goodbye is an hour long affair if you're in person. Oh, Honestly, 100%. And I do it all the time. Haley has to get me to get out of people's houses sometimes. But it happens a lot online with our friends uh, where they're like, all right, well, we'll see you guys later. And I'm like, uh, but we didn't say goodbye. And they're like, I just said I, goodbye. We're like, no, 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 no. I don't know how your grandparents it, are. It takes how 30, are your grandparents? I how are your grandparents? What'd you have for dinner? <laughs> like, there's all this extra stuff. So I feel like the end of the podcast is always that. Just the Oklahoma goodbye. It's so true. <laughs> it's, it's so dumb, but. I don't think there's anything else to be said on here aside from the usual things of please give us a like, share, and subscribe so we can get more people listening to the podcast, at least if they want to. If they see it, they might say, hey, that sounds cool. And then if they happen to like this, then hey, welcome you to the show. I'm talking to the new listener, not the old listener. Well, talk to the old listener, too. I did, the whole time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow us anywhere on social media at Malthouse Games, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S Games. You can find me personally at Delton Brack, D-E-L-T-O-N-B-R-A-C-K. You can find Haley at S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-L-Y-G-E-E-K. That's at Squirrely Geek. If you have any kind of questions, comments, concerns, topics you want us to cover, games you think we should look at, beers that you should want us to go buy, that was a horrible sentence, you can send us an email, contact at malthousegames.com. You can also check out all our most recent content, the list of games we've covered, and read about what we think about our favorite games ever on our website, malthousegames.com, which I'm very proud of for being such a simple website. It works so hard it's on it. Little, it looks so good. It's a little funky on mobile where you keep having to a zoom out and a, a zoom out again. But, but it's so good. You know, it works out. It took me forever. Uh, I think that's everything. I hope so. If not, you can edit it in later. If not, you can just send us an email and say you left something out. I think that's the way to do it. So bada bing, bada boom, yes. Uh, thanks again for tuning in and listening to the Malt House Game Podcast, episode number 90. Go check out Maracaibo. Try not to have too much burnout. Try to get games to the table. And until next time, sit back, relax, grab a beer. Grab a beer. <gasps> I ruined it. Until next time, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games. Tell us about your grandma. See you folks later. Bye. Bye.